0: Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. Well, if you have your Bibles open, Daniel chapter 12. As you know, uh, if you've been here for a couple weeks, or maybe you've read Daniel chapter uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel, that... uh, the, uh, the final vision of Daniel comprises Daniel chapter 10 through 12, and so we've been kind of breaking up the vision, uh, not breaking up the vision, but uh, not dealing with the whole thing in one Sunday. We'd be here for quite a while if we did that. Uh, so we're just finishing up with the last portion of that, of that vision and also the last portion of uh, the book of Daniel. So that's where we're at uh, this morning. So why don't we go ahead and read it, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James Version too, by the way. So if it sounds a little off, well, it's either that or it's my reading too. I don't read the one. Well. <laughs> at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase." Then I Daniel looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and one on uh, the other uh and the other on that riverbank and one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long shall these uh, shall the fulfillment of these wonders be Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time times. And half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. So, Going back to verse one, as we go through the book of or this chapter in Daniel, Daniel's being the the word time is mentioned several times in the scriptures in this chapter, and Daniel is finding out when all these things are going to be taking place. And verse one it says, "At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time." And we know from other passages of Scripture, this time is also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's an unprecedented time of trial and tribulation and hardship for the nation of Israel, actually for the entire world, those who reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, uh, anyone who's not taken away by the rapture of the church, which will occur uh, before this time. And... Uh, Daniel is told here that this time there's never been a time like it, and there'll never be a time after that that'll be like this period this we know this as the seventieth week of daniel it's the the seven year period of the known as the great tribulation and uh, you wonder why is it so severe? Revelation chapter twelve kind of talks about this same event dealing with Michael verse seven of chapter twelve it says in war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Now the dragon, of course, we're speaking of is Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a, face, a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ shall come. have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But listen to this. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. So at this point, Satan knows that his time is short and his wrath is severe. And this is part of the reason why it's going to be so severe at that time. Verse 1 continues and says, At that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Now, uh, when, whenever uh, Daniel is being told, your people, Daniel is Jewish. So this is speaking about, referring to the Jewish people here. In verse 12, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Um, these verses here, or this verse, I should say, establishes the fact of the resurrection of the dead. Now, as we go through scriptures, we know that not all people will be resurrected at the same time, and we're going to take a, a look at that here in a moment. First of all, Jesus was the first to be resurrected. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. He was the first to be resurrected out from among the dead, never to die again. So, um,. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5:20 or 15:20, excuse me. It says, "But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep." And then a couple verses down, "But each one in his own order Christ the first fruits and afterward those who are Christ's at his coming." So we have Jesus Christ, the first to be resurrected. Now Matthew 27 verses 51 to 53, that's around the account when Jesus was crucified on the cross. It has a very interesting story in there, and it's not in the other Gospels, it's only in Matthew's Gospel, but it describes how some people in Jerusalem that died had come back to life when Jesus died on the cross and came out of their tombs and they walked around Jerusalem. We also know that Lazarus was brought back to life as well as others in, in the gospel accounts. But none of those guys are alive today. You can't go find Lazarus in Jerusalem and talk to him and Say, "How? what was it like back then? He, he's died, right? He, 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 was, he was brought to life. He was a kind of like a type of resurrection, but not into his glorified body. He died again. All these saints that were risen uh, during this time that's described here in Matthew 27, uh, they're not alive walking the earth today, um, so they were basically a type or a picture of those who would be resurrected later. So Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. Uh, and uh, that little arrows for these other guys. <laughs> He's the big arrow. They're the little arrows. Um, the next group to be um, resurrected of people are the dead in Christ. And uh, that's basically, and also we who are alive and remain. And that is referring to... Um, Actually, there's that scripture right there. Sorry, I'm going here. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen through 17 It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord." This is speaking about the rapture of the church. When Jesus Christ calls those that are alive uh, on the earth at the time of the rapture, uh, they'll be preceded by the dead in Christ. And the dead, it's specific that says in Christ because that's referring to those who are of the church age. Those who from Pentecost on, even till our age today, were what's known as, we're in the church age right now. So it could possibly happen. You and I could possibly be, well, we will be part of this rapture. We'll either be the dead in Christ that are risen first, or we'll meet them uh, in the air. So after the church Age saints, the rapture of the church, those that are resurrected, uh, there's another resurrection described in the book of Revelation. And that uh, that resurrection takes place during the tribulation, actually, at least half of it. Uh, Two mysterious witnesses appear in Jerusalem, and they start preaching to humanity, and they have great power. Uh, They have the power to stop rain from falling upon the earth, They have power to turn the waters to blood. They have power to strike the earth with all kinds of plagues as often as they desire. And if anyone tries to stop them, they can call down fire on anyone. Sounds a lot like Elijah the prophet. Um, Well, in Revelation chapter 11, I can't go back there again. (laughs) I don't have my Bible with me. Hang on a second. I'm still learning this program, so you got to bear with me here. <laughs> okay, verse 7 of chapter 11. It says, When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So we know that's Jerusalem. It says, Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days, and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because of these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Nobody wants to hear that they're in sin. And th- this Christ-rejecting nation, the Christ-rejecting world is going to hear these, these witnesses proclaiming their sin. And so uh, they're going to rejoice when these witnesses are dead. Uh, verse 11, it says, Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. So this is another resurrection of these two witnesses during the uh, tribulation. And then at the end of the tribulation, at the battle of Armageddon, Jesus Christ returns with His church. Zechariah 14, verse 5, Thus the Lord will, uh, my God will come, and all the saints will. With you, So you and I, we will come back with Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. And then there's another group that are going to be resurrected, and they're the tribulation saints who were martyred for their faith. Revelation 6, 9, and 11 uh, says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And then when you go to Revelation 20, Verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So during the tribulation, Period, when the church has been raptured out, there will be people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There will be people that all of a sudden realize, wow, what my cousin, what my mother, what my, you know, what my wife told me was really true. And, uh, and these people will come to faith in the Lord, but it's going to be such a terrible, difficult time that they're going to lose their lives. Many of them, probably most of them, are going to be martyred for their faith. Isn't it interesting that today, in this day and age, we're seeing beheadings taking place? And that's exactly what's going to happen during the millennia, or during the tribulation. Uh, Very interesting. Well, these people, based on Revelation 20, verse 4, they're going to be resurrected because here it says at the end of verse 4, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So that's another... Resurrection of a group of people, the Tribulation Saints, and then going back to Daniel chapter twelve, uh, it says there in the second half of verse one and into verse two, it says, "And at that time, the time of the great tribulation, at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall." awake. So Daniel here is told that his people, the Jewish people, will be resurrected. Look at Ezekiel chapter 37. You don't have to look at it. You can actually look up here if you want. But Ezekiel 37 verse 12 says, "'Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people,' this is Israel, "'behold, O my people, I will, co- I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves.' And bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord." And I don't have it written down here, but if you go back a few verses in Ezekiel 37, this is the prophecy of the dry bones of of Israel once again becoming a nation. And you say, well, isn't that speaking about when Israel became a nation? But if you look down here in verse, uh, it's probably verse 13 or 14, where it says, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. If you go to Israel today, they are by and large a very secular nation. But this prophecy is speaking about when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, they will receive the Holy Spirit. So this is speaking about uh, later on. Also interesting about David. Look at verse 24 of Ezekiel 37. It says, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob my servant where your fathers dwelt. And they shall dwell there, they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. And some people say, well, that's speaking of Jesus. It could be. But it could also be David himself that will once more be reigning in some kind of a form Maybe reigning under Jesus during the uh, during the millennium, but David will be there. We can talk to him about his, you know, all the stories in the Bible. That'd be a great time. Uh, Verse thirteen of chapter twelve. We'll get to it later. But Daniel is told, "But you go your way till the end, for you shall arrest and will arise to your inheritance." at the end of the days. All these people that you and I have, you know, we went to Sunday school, we heard all the stories, we, we, we've known about them growing up, those men and women of the Old Testament, they're going to be there alive during the millennium. So not only do we have the tribulation saints being resurrected, but we also have the Old Testament saints resurrected to live during the millennium. Well, there's one more resurrection And that is described in Revelation 20, verse 5. It says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And so now, the final resurrection... Verse 11 of chapter 20, Revelation says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Everyone is going to be resurrected. It just depends on which resurrection you're going to be part of and when. And those that reject Jesus Christ down through the ages, they are not going to be resurrected until the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. But they as well will be resurrected. But their resurrection will be a resurrection to judgment. So we have the unrighteous dead. So we have all these different resurrections at different times. So that verse is speaking of the fact of resurrection, but not necessarily, you know, it's not encompassing all of the different resurrections. So as you can see through scriptures, there are several different groups of people being resurrected at different times. So now going back to Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, moving right along, I should say. It says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That jumped out at me this, this week when I was studying that because there's a new, uh, and I don't know that it's new necessarily, but lately I have heard about some, some people within Christianity, within Christian circles, speaking about the fact that hell is temporary. That it's only, it's only for a short time. And, and a, a God of love would never consign anyone to eternity uh, without him, away from him in, in hell. And so their teaching or their saying is that hell is temporary. Well, you know what? That's a lie from the pit of hell itself. That's a lie as bad as the lie that the serpent told Eve in the garden when, she, when he said to her, You shall surely not die. You know, it's the same lie, basically. The devil doesn't change his tactics too much. Verse 3 of Daniel chapter 12, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. If you want to be wise, if you want to be blessed, what are we to be about in these last days? turning many people to righteousness. And the first thing that probably comes to your, in my mind anyways, is evangelism, right? The great thrust of reaching out into the world and, you know, people are dying and going to hell every day. We want to spread the good news to them. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus before this awful time of the tribulation occurs. We want them to be part of the rapture of the church. But, you know, I don't think it's just speaking about evangelism. Some of you might say, well, I don't even have the gift of evangelism. I have a hard time, you know, I I just, I struggle with that. Well, it's not only evangelism, I think, but discipleship. Look at James 5, verse 19. It says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The Bible talks about in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. And we're seeing that today. And for you and I that have loved ones that, that they grew up, they, they, they confess their faith in Christ Jesus, born again, and then they are turning their backs on the Lord or they've, or they've struggled, wandered into sin. You and I, man, we need to be discipling them. We need to be drawing them back to the Lord as well. So this is not only speaking about evangelism, but I think just discipleship. And I would encourage you as a believer here this morning. I think there's two categories you should, you should be falling into. Either you should, if maybe you're in a position where you need to be discipled right now. now. Maybe you're a baby, brand new believer in the Lord. You need to grow in the Lord. That's a great time to be discipled by an older, mature Christian. Somebody who can, can kind of, you know, encourage you and, and kind of guide you and, and, and dig into the word with you. If that's the place, there's nothing wrong with that. But those of you that are beyond that or, you know, you've you've been discipled, you and I need to be discipling someone else. And I would encourage you to to be doing that. Because if you want to be blessed, if you want to shine like the stars forever and ever, man, be, be about the king's business. And the king's business is reconciling the world to him. And so that's what we need to be about. Verse 4, Daniel 12, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So for Daniel, who lived in uh, the 6th century B.C., these, these prophecies were to be sealed up for him. But uh, until the time of the end. And I think it's, it's very, I think it's fair to say that we are at the time of the end, if not at the very cusp at the time of the end. Uh, look at that. It says, uh, many shall run to and fro. Now the Strong's concordance uh, for that to and fro means to push forth and the implication is travel. So there'll be people going all over, traveling here, traveling there, traveling everywhere. And uh, I think I don't know if you've ever seen this picture before. Someone did a time lapse photograph at an airport just watching the planes taken off and they kind of Made it all they, they didn 't all fly out together like that, but you know <laughs> one at a time, flying and you know when my kids were younger, uh, we used to live out by the San Jose um, Airport in California, and at that time, before there were a lot of terrorist stuff, um, you could actually park at the at the end of the runway and watch the planes taken off it 's probably not the safest place to be, but I used to take my kids, not the safest thing, but we would park literally at the very end of the runway, sit out on our, on our car, and just watch the airplane. I love watching the airplanes taken off and uh, Uh, cool. But you know, that is really, if you think about it, worldwide travel, it's the last hundred or so years. I mean, it's basically, it's in our generation as as this is is true. People are going to and fro all over around the world. So are we close to the end? Well, this definitely fits to what we understand. Now for Daniel, it wouldn't have made sense to Daniel, but to you and I, we can look and they go, oh yeah, of course, we see that every day. Now, another uh, commentary that I like to use, the brown driver, BDB, we'll just call it BDB. Um, And uh, it has a slightly different interpretation of to and uh, a definition of to run to and fro. And its definition is to go eagerly or quickly to or fro. And its emphasis is on speed. (laughs) So the idea is the speed of travel. Now, think about this. How many thousands, literally thousands of years, the fastest speed that a human could go was the speed of a horse, right? I mean, that's basically it. For thousands of years, that was as fast as you could go, was to get on a horse and ride, you know? Um, but in the last hundred or so years, we've gone from trains, planes, and automobiles to space travel. I grabbed this picture off the internet. I thought well, that was kind of fitting. But uh, really... We've gone, in in such a short period of time, relative to human history, in such a short period of time, we've gone from one mode of transportation that for years people did, to now we've got space travel. I mean, so are we at a time when people are traveling more quickly? Absolutely. Definitely fits as well. Verse four says, "But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase." And uh, of course, we do know that, right? Knowledge has increased. There's been—it's amazing, uh, you know how. I mean, you buy a computer, and uh, you think you got the greatest. Neatest computer with all the whiz bang gadgets on it, and within a year or, so, or less than a year, it's already outdated, and there's already some newer version. And, and same with just about everything. Uh, invention, the speed of invention in our lifetimes has just, I mean, you guys that are my age and, and around our, my age know, you know, we had the calculators right for doing our math, and you know, we, I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, knowledge has definitely increased tremendously exponentially in our lifetime and here's a very recent phenomena that is it's just i think this is even that much more about knowledge cell increase you know you might think well the speed of inventions there's but also the amount of knowledge i mean you can go out to the internet you maybe I I haven't tried it, but maybe you could do it. You could probably Google brain surgery and learn how to do a brain surgery. I, I, I wouldn't encourage you to try it, but um, but it, seriously, there's you know, yesterday I was working on some plumbing and I was really struggling. And I'm like, well, I'm going to Google something. I Google and I found out something that I didn't know. And it's like, oh wow, amazing! But you can do that with just about everything. Knowledge is so available right now. I mean, and not only the knowledge to learn something, but, you know, you can get on a a computer and you can look at what's happening in Amsterdam today by a live webcam. I mean, you can watch what's happening on the other side of the world. We have a great awareness uh, that's never before. It's unprecedented. So are we close to the time of the end? Well, I would think that we're very close. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked... And there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. A time, times, and half a time. We spoke about that in one of the other chapters of Daniel. But this is referring to basically three and a half years. And I and I would say three and a half prophetic years. And go wait a minute. What's three and a half prophetic years? Uh, it's prophetic in the sense that uh, in the Bible, a year was three hundred and sixty days. Uh, Our calendar is a year is 365 days, but back then, 360 days a year. So that's what I mean by saying a prophetic year. So, you know, days, there's a little difference in the days. Um, So this time, times, and half a time, or three and a half years, is speaking about that last half of the Great Tribulation. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. We talked about it in Daniel. That's when Antichrist makes a covenant, with Israel for the first three and a half years. And then midway through the seven-year covenant, he gets up and he breaks his covenant with Israel. And literally all hell breaks loose at that point. And the wrath of the, the, the devil knows that his time is short. And he, he just goes after with a, with a vengeance uh, against Israel, against God's people. And verse says here, Daniel's told, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered all these things shall be finished. You might say, well, you know, God never gives us more than we can handle. The people, the Jewish people, uh, the believers that are alive during this time, they are going to be literally brought to their limit. where There's nothing they can do. Their power is going to be completely shattered. If you're like me, I hate it when I'm at a place where I can't do anything about something. Right. I mean, I, it's like when I get to a point where I am completely helpless, it's like it's completely out of my hands. I, I hate being in that place. But, you know, for, as a believer, that's really the best place that you and I can be in, because that's when we can no longer claim any credit. We can no longer try to strive in our own strength. All we can do as believers is just hold up our hands and say, Lord, God, I can't do it. I need you to do it. And that's when God comes and he meets us. He meets us at those times. that's when our faith is really strengthened. And uh, so for these people living during that time, their power is going to be completely shattered. Uh, They're going to be at the ends of their ropes. And it's going to get so severe that uh, there will be Jews, individual Jews that will die during the tribulation. We know many people are going to be martyred for their faith. But the nation of Israel as such will be spared. Uh, It's going to get so severe, however, that uh, the Jewish nation is not going to be able to survive it without divine intervention. Uh, In the heavens, in the spiritual realm, Michael and his angels will be fighting the devil and his fallen angels. It's, It's in the book of Revelation on earth. God is going to provide a safe haven in the rock city of Petra, Jordan, uh, from the wrath of the Antichrist. We talked about that last week, um, as he knows his time is short. And uh, Revelation 7 also speaks about 144,000 Jews whose God's going to put his mark on them, uh, and, and he's going to protect them during the great tribulation. Uh, But the remnant of Israel, they're going to be brought to the point of basically looking up and seeing the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the sky. Look at Zechariah 12.10, it says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Paul also talks about in the book of Romans that all Israel will be saved. There is a time coming. The the, the tribulation, God's dealing with the nation of Israel at this time. You and I won't be here during that time. God is specifically, it's a time of Jacob's trouble. God is specifically working on the hearts of the Jewish people to bring the nation to him. And I'll say a remnant because there's probably not going to be a whole lot of them. But there will be a remnant at the end that will, uh, they'll see Jesus Christ returning They'll recognize him as his Savior, and they'll be saved. Paul mentions it in Romans 11.25. He says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that the blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So right now Israel is spiritually blind uh, and they're going to be spiritually blind until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. You know what he's talking about? The fullness of the Gentiles coming in? That's when the last Gentile on the, on the face of the planet says, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. Please, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. When that last person accepts Jesus Christ, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. That's when God says, "Okay, I've got them all." And at that point, that's when He returns for the church. And uh, so, if you're holding us up today, would you just come on? Would you just accept Christ this morning so we can get out of here? I want to. I already got my jumping shoes on. <laughs> It's just amazing. Can you imagine being that last person? Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. Boom, there he is. (laughs) You're right there. That'd be awesome. Verse 8 of Daniel chapter 12. Daniel says, Although I heard, I did not understand. And, you know, understandably so for Daniel back in that generation. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? I mean, it was just overwhelming for him. And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. So these were sealed for Daniel. But you know what? As you and I study scriptures this morning, as we do your own Bible study, as you look at the book of Revelation, and you can lay it side by side with the book of Daniel, it it really is great. When you're studying Revelation, you get a little confused, go to the book of Daniel and start reading that. If you're in Daniel and getting confused, go to the book of Revelation. They they really complement each other. And uh, it becomes clearer and clearer. And for you and I, in our generation, we see all these things coming to pass just as God said they were back in the 6th century B.C. Verse 10, Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. You know Jesus was speaking to his to the to the Pharisees, scribes and the Pharisees, and and they're like they're like, give us a sign that you're the Messiah. And he's like, you know, you guys, you get up in the morning, you look at the sky, you say, man, it's 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 a red sky this morning. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a bad day, right? Right? I forgot that. I used to know that thing. Uh, red in the morning, sailor, take warning. Red at night, sailor's delight. Okay. Well, anyways, you know you know what I mean. Then you, you guys know it. You know, you look at the sky. You look at, you go, oh man, it's gonna be a great day. You can, you can prophesy the day. You look in the evening and go, oh, man, it's going to be a bad, it's going to be a bad day tomorrow. You, know, you can prophesy the day. He says, you guys are great at prophesying that, but when it comes to spiritual things, man, you just don't have a clue. And there are a lot of people today walking around that don't have a clue. In fact, I would not want to be an unbeliever in this day and age because there's so many things that are frightening right now. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's scary for you and I. It's, yeah, it's, it's concerning. But on the other hand, it's like, man, I know my Lord is coming back soon. Things are getting ripe. He's setting the stage. So. so the wise shall understand. And you guys are wise this morning, so you understand that Jesus is returning soon. Now, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So there's this, there's this multitude, this, this great number, uh, great amount of people that no one could number, uh, that are there worshiping the Lord, and they are those that come out of the tribulation. Look at verse uh, 13 of chapter 7, says, Then one of the angels answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There is going to be, a, I believe, Scripture supports that there's going to be an amazing harvest of believers in that last time there uh, during the tribulation. Well, going back to Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's some difficulty understanding uh, these next two verses um, because three and a half prophetic years is 1,260 days. So uh, 290 days, that's an, that's an extra 30 days. So uh, what is Daniel being told here? Um, there's three... You know, nobody really has the answer to this. Maybe you have it. You can tell me later. Um, but there's three possible explanations that, I, that I've come across anyways. And uh, explanation one... Uh, Number one is that uh, the announcement of the stopping of the sacrifices in the temple will occur 30 days before the middle of the seven years. Uh, That's one explanation. I don't know. could be. Explanation chapter 2, there may be a gap of 30 days between the time of Christ's second coming and the beginning of the millennium while Jesus is judging the nations. Yeah, that's a possibility. What are we talking about? In Matthew chapter 25... Uh, specifically verses 31 through 46, there's a judgment taking place where Christ is judging the nations based on how they treated uh, the Lord's brethren, or the Jews, during the Great Tribulation. Those that that treated the Jews well during that time, they're the sheep that will be allowed to enter into the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Those that are the goats will be cast into the lake of fire. Um, I believe that that's what that's speaking about. So it's possible. There's another uh, explanation, and it's similar to the second one that I just told you. It says that it may be that the 30 days is the time period allowed for the multitudes of the nations around the globe to gather at Jerusalem for the sheep and goat judgment. So um, I don't really know the answer. If you do, you can tell me later. But, uh... And then to add to more confusion, Daniel is told this, Blessed is he who waits... And comes to the one thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. I mean, I thought, you thought you were confused. Now there's an extra forty-five days <laughs> tagged onto that. So what is that what does that mean, an extra forty-five days? Well, a possible explanation. Again, nobody really I don't think anybody has the right answer exactly, but the possible explanation is since those who make it to the forty-five days are blessed, perhaps the forty-five days is the length of time for the sheep and goat judgment to take place. The goats are sent away into the lake of fire, and only the sheep enter the millennial kingdom. So if you've made it past that judgment and you're still standing there, you're a sheep and you're blessed because you're going to be entering into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. That that could be. Again, I, I don't really know. So, But uh, anyways, I'm not too worried about it because uh, you and I, I mean, we're going to be reigning with Jesus Christ, right? So... Verse 13, Daniel chapter 12, the very last verse. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. And so that finishes our study in the book of Daniel. And, and you know, I just want to encourage you uh, this morning in finishing up this and looking at this last verse that... uh, there is going to be a, a judgment for you and I. Now, now for you and I have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're not going to be judged for sins because Jesus Christ was judged for us. He became sin for us on the cross. He He took our punishment upon Him. So, so we're not going to be judged for sin, based you know. But we are going to be judged uh, in uh, I believe it's in First Corinthians. Uh, 14 or 15, talks about the Bema seat judgment, the judgment uh, seat of Christ, where you and I are going to be judged according to how we've lived our lives in the body of Christ. What did you do with your talents that God's given you? And I'm not just speaking your natural talents, but when you and I come to faith in Christ Jesus we become a member of what's known as the church, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, and the Holy Spirit gives gifts individually to people to use to make myself look really spiritual? No, to edify the body of believers. So each one of us has been giving, been giving something supernaturally that we do naturally, supernaturally natural to benefit other people. And as you and I are employing those gifts, maybe it's maybe you're great at discipling believers or un, you know young baby Christians counseling people maybe maybe it's uh you know just helping around the church or maybe it's teaching the young children or or maybe it's being an elder or whatever it might be those things that you and I do we've been give, we're to be doing those things it's sad to see when believers are living for themselves it really is it it's, it breaks my heart uh you know I'm not trying to drum up servants in the church I'm trying to drum up people that are going to get rewards in that last time because there is an inheritance waiting for each one of you and I and so, and again, it's not a judgment for sin, but it's going to be a rewards. And you might say, well, you know, you might be a little kind of humble person, say, well, I don't really want rewards. I mean, I'm, I don't need any rewards. Believe me, when you stand before Jesus Christ and you realize. I'm here, and he paid the price for me to be here, and you see him in all his glory, you're going to want to give him anything that you have. And the more gifts, the more, because the Bible says we'll have crowns, we're going to throw them at his feet and say, Lord, you're worthy. I want to have a billion crowns that I can keep throwing them at because he's worthy of it. And so you're going to want to have things that you can present to the Lord, say, Lord, I did this for you. So I want to encourage you in that this morning, to be about the Lord's business in these last days. This is his approach is coming soon. Why not you stand up and let's go Lord in prayer.